0: Good evening to you. If you need a pamphlet, booklet for this evening's uh, lesson, we are going through book one of Affirming God, and it may be that you have not um, had the opportunity to be with us, or it may be that you uh, committed the unpardonable sin and you left your booklet at home. So um, We have some extra. We don't have uh, an endless supply, but we do have extra ones. appreciate the opportunity uh, to focus once again on booklet number one uh, this evening, on affirming God. There are three of these booklets. Uh, Lord willing, we'll get into booklet number two next week, which will be affirming our faith in the Bible. This one has been on and is on, affirming our faith in the existence of God. And then the next one will be affirming our faith in the scriptures, and the next one will be affirming our faith in Jesus as the Son of God. These are designed to help us uh, firm up our faith in the Bible and to help anyone that may have uh, some doubts. What we've really been doing the last uh, few Sunday nights is uh, trying to fill our pockets uh, with the witness of God. Thank you, the Mark. Uh, filling our pockets with the witnesses of God. God did not leave himself without witness, Acts 14, 17. One of my favorite all-time little phrases. It says so much to us, Acts 14, 17. God did not leave himself without witness. And there are many witnesses that testify to the existence of God, that God is indeed real, that he is indeed who he says he is, uh, in scripture we've been looking a few looking at a few of these witnesses for example, the world itself the universe all that we see is a witness uh, to God you know we said um, a couple of weeks ago that the universe uh, has to be explained and it cannot be explained from the fact that it has always existed matter is not eternal okay, matter has to have a beginning or is it the case that that material things can create themselves, that, that can't happen. Everybody agrees that matter is not eternal and material things also do not create themselves. Therefore, the only option left for us is that someone created it. Someone higher, someone more powerful, someone much older than the universe uh, created the universe. So God has left himself a witness in the very existence of the universe, but also another witness that we have put in our pocket, and we know all about, is the fact that this world uh, has a lot of design in it. Now David said in Psalm eight three and four that um, when he considered uh, God's heavens, the work of His fingers, the sun, moon, and stars which God has ordained, he said, "What is man that Thou art mindful of him?" Psalm eight. And three and four. In Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and, and the expanse of above, the, the firmament shows uh, his handiwork. And so God has not left himself without witness. He gave us the marvelous design and complexities of both the human body and the, the world and the universe. And that is a witness to him. Now, last week we noticed that another witness uh, for God is our behavior mankind's behavior, and we mentioned especially last week that everybody walking around has some set, some sort of set of, of idea of how they're going to behave. Everybody has some standard of right and wrong. Uh, men on earth and women also do not necessarily agree on what's right and wrong, but everybody agrees there is a right and there is a wrong. And the Bible is to fill in those gaps of what exactly is right and what is i not wrong, but God has made us in such a way that all of us have sort of a, an internal code of ethics, an internal code of, of law. And where there is law, there must be a lawgiver, and God uh, fills in that blank as well. And so our, our internal sense of, of morality, inter, internal sense of behavior, also is a witness to God. And so the witness tonight is that of suffering. Suffering. Suffering is a very powerful witness for God. Let's think of it this way. In the physical world, we appreciate, even though we don't enjoy it, but in the physical world, we appreciate the experience of pain. Because pain drives us to do something. If something is hot, we learn not to touch that again. If something causes us pain, then we learn maybe we shouldn't do that again. Pain sometimes will drive us to the doctor, or sometimes pain will cause us to not do certain activities that we've done in the past. A pain will cause us maybe to change our lifestyle or change what we eat or change how we sleep or whatever it may be. We appreciate the experience and the reality of pain. Because it helps us in the physical sense. But also we can say with a great deal of faith that pain and suffering helps us in the spiritual sense as well. Notice a couple passages from Psalm number 119. uh, Before we get to our booklet here in just a minute. Uh, Psalm number 119, you remember uh, David will say, verse 67, you probably already have these marked. Verse 67 and 71. Psalm 119, 67. He says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I observe God's work. Notice how David admits that before he was afflicted, before he had trials, before he had pain in his life, he went astray. But after this came into his life, it woke him up. And he observed God's word. In verse 71, he says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn God's word. Perhaps you have been through that very process yourself. That uh, some sort of experience, some sort of setback, has uh, caused you to look at God's word and look at life in in a greater, more godly manner than you ever have before. And that's uh, that's the ideal before us. Uh, this evening. Before we get to our booklet, I want us to notice how that suffering can be a witness in, uh, in a few different ways, and then we'll read through the questions uh, in the booklet together, and then we will uh, have a devotional and extend the invitation. But notice a few ways in which w- uh, suffering testifies uh, for God. Uh, first, uh, notice that uh, suffering testifies to the reality of sin that sin is real. Because as Bible students we know, Romans 5 verse 12 says, uh, through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so we understand that that's how uh, weakness and disease and death uh, came to be upon this earth. We know that in Genesis 1, uh, 31, God declared after he created this world that it was all very good. It was all very good. He put Adam and Eve in the garden and had them to tend that garden, but uh, they were not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, but they did, but they did. And they were driven out of the garden, they were driven away from the tree of life, and therefore, again, after that happened, uh, weakness and sickness and disease and death came into this world, and it's been here ever since. And so the suffering in the world is a testimony to what God has said. Testimony to the, to the uh, reality of sin. You can look at the ages of men in the Bible. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. Noah lived to be 950 years old. But then you jump over to Genesis uh, 25, I think it is, and you read that Abraham died at a good old age of 175. What happened? What happened? Well, sin came into the world. And greater and greater sin came into the world and the effects of the flood took place because of sin, and the sinful environment got greater and greater and as it has gotten greater and greater than mankind has succumbed to more and more weaknesses and diseases and sickness and death. It's a testimony though, it is suffering and sickness is a testimony to God, especially in the sense of the reality of sin. Also, Suffering is a testimony to uh, how God created us. Uh, He created us with, with free will. It's a testimony to the free will of man. God gives, like Joshua says in Joshua 24, verse 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. God gives us that ability. But since there's only one God and none of us are that God, then there's going to be bad choices made, and bad choices bring. Uh, suffering into this world, also we say this: that suffering is a witness to the uncertainty and uh, the brevity of life, the uncertainty of life especially proverbs twenty seven one uh, says, Boast not yourself of tomorrow, for you don 't know what um, a day will bring forth, and we certainly know uh, that is true uh, james says um, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Job 14, 1 and 2 says, Man that is born a woman is full of trouble uh, all the days of his life. It's a few days and full of trouble. We know that there's uncertainty. We know that there's brevity in life. Okay. Suffering reminds us of that. It wakes us up to that. A man who is aware of life is going to certainly allow the setbacks in life to cause him to look at God more closely, see how he loves man, what he has done for man, and then respond uh, to the Lord as well. Suffering also is a witness to how that this world is not our home. It's not to be our permanent home. We're here now. But our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. We we look for heaven. Uh, Paul says in Colossians 3, in verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, he says, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. This world is not our home. We are pilgrims and strangers. Uh, that is made clear in Hebrews 11:13 13 through 16, as God uh, spoke of the old patriarchs. Uh, they would consider themselves, as they traveled about and did God's will, they considered themselves uh, strangers, and sojourners uh, upon this earth and they look for a better country. Look for a better country. And we are to follow uh, in their steps. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, that as strangers and pilgrims upon this earth, we need to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The devil would love for us to think that this is our permanent home. Okay. He loves for us to get attached to this world because he knows he can... He can um, more easily move his way into our, our heart. This world is not to be our home and we're not to fall in love with this world. Okay. Uh, John says in 1 John two fifteen to 17 that we are not to love the world neither the things that are in the world. All that's in the world, the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the de- desires of the flesh and, and the pride of life, the vainglory of life, all of that is in the world and the Father has nothing to do with that. If we love that, we don't love uh, the Father. We are not to grow attached uh, to this world. You know, Jesus, uh, as he gave us a sermon on the Mount, he reminds us of this in Matthew 6. He said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth, where moth and rust dust uh, corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that's all said to remind us again and again that this world is not our home. And suffering is a witness to that. Suffering reminds us that uh, it is appointed unto man once to die and after the judgment. Suffering reminds us that we're not created for this world. and This world is not created for us to be here uh, forever. But also, suffering and setbacks are a witness to our own limitations. When we come upon challenges, um, it really makes us aware that uh, we are not our own. We are not in control. As uh, Jesus says in John 15 and verse 5, Without me you can do nothing. Actually, without Jesus we would be nothing. And the good thing, and I, I, I don't enjoy saying it, but there are the good thing about suffering is it brings it home to us that really we're not in control. As much as we would love to think that we're in control, as much as those of worldly mindsets believe they can control and they're in control, still the reality is we are not in control. The Lord is still on His throne. The Lord's will has not been suspended. And we're not in control. Therefore, what suffering ought to do for us is to send us deeper, deeper into our prayer life. We cast all our care upon the Lord, 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, because He cares for us. And we realize when suffering comes into our lives, when challenges come into our lives, that... uh, we need the Lord in a greater, greater way. We need Him greatly all the time, but these setbacks in life help us to realize that in a greater way. So have you found yourself lately uh, spending more time in prayer? Well, we, don't, we really shouldn't have to have... Disadvantages in the world to cause us to pray, but we're human beings, and that's the way that's the way God made us. So oftentimes these setbacks can cause us to spend more time in prayer, and that's a good thing. Of course, it's a good good thing. Suffering is a witness toward a couple of great opportunities. Let me share this with you, and then we'll get to our booklet. But I just can't talk about this without these two great opportunities we've got to mention these opportunity number one is suffering helps us to bring out qualities that probably would not come out of us that probably would not come to to the front, would not make themselves come to the forefront of our our very being, except that we are meeting some challenges we are We are experiencing uh, some tough things okay. just think if there was if there was no Suffering. If there was no worries, no concerns whatsoever, then what sort of, of great qualities would come forth, come from us? In the words of James, James chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into uh, divers' uh, temptations and trials. Knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience. And let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. How do we get to that state of, of maturity, perfect and entire, lacking in nothing? Well, the trying of our faith brings us there. And the qualities that come out from our soul will not come out of our soul, except that our faith is tried. See, you know about qualities like courage, and strength, and fortitude, and bravery, and patience, and compassion, and sympathy, and sacrifice, self sacrifice, unselfish acts of love. These are the sort of qualities that come out of us whenever our faith is tried. Romans. Uh, 5 verse 3 says, Rejoice in your sufferings. It actually says that. Rejoice in your sufferings. Knowing this, that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Well, we all want to live lives of hope and peace, but we can't get there except through that path of suffering and then learning patience and endurance and building our character, and then with that maturity, then combined with the learning and doing of the Word of God, then we get there in that place of hope and peace. In Joshua chapter 1, as Joshua was being prepared to, to lead people into promised land, God over and over said to him, Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. And these are the types of things that, that happen whenever our faith is tried. So it's an opportunity to grow in faith when we experience suffering. Even though in conversation, even though in most of our thoughts, we we wouldn't wish any setback or any sort of conflict, any sort of suffering upon anyone because... We don't want that to happen. We love people. But at the same time, we must admit, God's Word says it, that the only way to grow is through the trying of our faith. So that's one opportunity. And the second opportunity is to be able to show that God is worthy of our love, respect, and worship, and praise, and service based on who He is and not on the having an easy life. Is God worthy of worship and service and devotion and respect and obedience based simply on who he is and not on what he might provide for us? That's a very important part of anyone's faith because we must eventually be able to say, yes, he is. And of course, the book of Job is designed uh, to show us that you remember that Satan believed that God had built a hedge around Job. And because God had told Satan, have you considered my servant Job, none like him in all the earth? He fears God, he turns away from evil. Have you tried my servant Job? And then Satan said, does does he serve you for naught? you take this edge away from him, you take, the, you take the blessings away from him, and he will curse you. That's the whole challenge of the book of Job. God said, have at it. Not going to take his life, but have at it. Job stood strong. He had the opportunity to prove that God is worthy of worship and devotion even if all his blessings were taken away. Job thirteen fifteen, Job says, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Think about what Job is saying. If my death, Lord, if my death in somehow, in some way will bring about a more awareness of your purpose and glory then so be it I'm still going to serve you. What Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 20. He said Christ is going to be magnified in my body whether that means my my life or my death, either way. Either way, people are going to see Christ in me. So Job stood strong. Notice what Job said. Notice what he did, Job 1 verse 20, after several things had happened to him. He said he got up and got himself ready and he went and fell down and worshiped God. And then he said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's where I want to be in my faith. No matter what, I want to be able to say, Blessed are you, Lord. Praise to your name. No matter what. So suffering is a great witness. Don't ever let anybody back you into a corner. Someone that has doubts. Don't let them back you into a corner. They love to do this, you know. They love to say, well, if your God was all-powerful, he, he would get rid of suffering. And then if your God um, was all-powerful and still suffering is in the world, then that means He doesn't want to get rid of it. So either way, either God is not powerful enough to get rid of it, or God is not loving enough to get rid of it. Don't you let somebody back you into a corner like that, because there's another story to this. There's a, there's a greater side to this. There's a, no, there's a better view of this. What they're doing there is a very immature, shallow view. There's a very mature view of noticing. And if anybody's honest, they will admit, they will admit that setbacks are good for human beings. Let me mention this too. Well, I'll mention this later. Let's get, let's get to our book and... Notice the questions that are in this booklet on uh, suffering. I think it's just two pages. Notice pages 14 and 15. So, if you are sitting down with someone and you go over these questions, then perhaps you can allow these questions to um, carry you and the individual with you into the conversation of the benefits of suffering, that suffering and pain can be a blessing uh, from God. So notice uh, this question, does pain serve as a warning device when you place your hand on a hot stove? Yes. What would happen to your hand if you place it on a hot stove and you could not feel pain? Okay, that wouldn't be good. When you place your hand on a hot stove, are you making a choice? Yes, you are making a choice. Would your free will be removed if you were forced to keep your hand away from a hot stove? It would be removed. I remember uh, when we were little, we had a floor furnace in our hallway. And it gave heat to the house toward the living room and the kitchen, but also heat toward uh, the bedrooms. And that was our source of heat. And uh, our parents would constantly tell us, uh, don't, touch this, the, uh, don't touch the heater with your hands. Walking, walking over it, and your sock feet was okay. Of course, with your shoes, it was okay. Barefooted. That was a great challenge. We love to do that. But when my brother, little brother was only two or three years old, uh, he accidentally uh, stumbled and fell over him, and, and his hands fell right on the, the floor furnace in the hallway. And his hands had to be wrapped uh, for several, several uh, weeks. And uh, he cried. We, we remember him crying. That was a bad choice. It was a mistake, but it was a bad choice. So, would your free will be removed if you were forced to keep your hand away from a hot stove? Top of page uh, 15. Is the law of gravity constant and dependable? It is. Uh, What would happen if the law of gravity were just random? Then we would have a world of chaos. What would happen if you choose to test the law of gravity by jumping off a cliff? You may get hurt, it may bring uh, suffering uh, to you. Uh, Some of our memories uh, from Bible camp uh, take us down to Cane Creek Falls. And there are two ways to hike to Cane Creek Falls. You can hike to the top of it and look off uh, from there. But also uh, what we call the cable hike goes down to the bottom of Cane Creek Falls. And um, sometimes, uh, while we were at the bottom of Cane Creek Falls, there would be people at the top of Cane Creek Falls, and sometimes they would um, walk out to the top as if they were going to jump off. Most of the time, uh, they would not jump off. One year, though, there was a couple guys that did jump off. They jumped off about 50 feet high. And uh, what they say is at the bottom of Cane Creek Falls, there is no bottom. They, the, the divers have gone in there. It's like a cave that keeps going to the very core of the earth. It's just They've never been able to find the bottom of Cane Creek Falls. One fella was standing on, on top of the falls uh, one year. And this is a fellow who uh, had had his share of hamburgers in his life. And off the top of the falls, he went. Did he hit the water in a very uh, smooth fashion? No, he didn't. He hit that water on his side. And he came out. And as we hiked back up the mountain to get out of that gorge, he also was behind us. And we got an up-close look at the side of his body. And it it was... Raw red. And he was in a lot of pain. He did that to himself, didn't he? He made that choice uh, to come off that cliff. If you decide to test the law of gravity and suffer from a fall, who is uh, to blame? If you benefit from the law of gravity, whom should you praise? Again, he gives here, James 1, 2, and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith uh, produces Patience. This is not difficult. If you were talking to someone who has doubt because of suffering, then you simply enter into a conversation with them and talk to them about how that, uh, or how, how they had experiences in their life where they would have to admit, even though it was rough at that time, they learned something from that experience. And most people who are, who are reasonable uh, people will be, be glad to talk about experiences in their life where now that they're on this side of that experience, no matter what it is, that they, they understand things better. And so from there you can talk about how that that is actually a gift from God and that actually ought to drive us uh, to serve God, learn more about His Word, and, and submit uh, to Him. I encourage you to read and discuss these uh, booklets with anybody that you possibly can. Perhaps go through these again and through some of the notes that we've been trying to give in these last uh, few Sunday nights. Now, we said a moment ago that suffering can be a witness, a testimony to several great things. Here's the last thing. It is a witness to God's plan of salvation. Where would we be without the suffering of Jesus? Now we can theorize and we can analyze and we can give our opinion about what ought to be and ought not to be in the world, but here's one thing. Suffering is in the world and sin is in the world. And God chose the route of suffering and death to bring us salvation through Christ. Notice Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. Though he were a son, talking about Jesus, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all those who obey him. First, there had to be the suffering of Christ. And then there has to be our learning about it. And then we are free to submit and obey him and, and have the peace and the hope uh, that he provides. If you are subject to the Lord's invitation uh, this evening, it might be, it may very well be that you have looked at suffering as something that um, it just always has to be evil and we don't wish anything on any, anyone. we you know if, I often say if, if we had the power, we just Eliminate it, but here, we don't have that power. But here's thing, one thing we can do—that's very powerful. We can show people the way to go to a place where there won't be any death, there won't be any tears. There'll be complete peace with God. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation this evening, make your wants and wishes known right now as we stand together as we sing.